Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. Another illustrious episode up ahead, guys. This week we have Deidre Viney. She's the co-founder of Express Employment Jersey City. Um, She's one of the first people we had on the show who was a franchise owner. Um, And we talk about her owning a staffing franchise, how she got into it, her whole story. Really exciting episode. She shares a ton of nuggets. Deidre has great energies, great spirit. I don't want to take too much time talking. Just get into the show. Boom. Boom. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. Well, we have another great guest here today, Deidre Viney, uh, owner of Express Professional, uh, Express Employment Professionals of Jersey City. Welcome to the show. Um, so Deidre, if you could give me the 15-second the, the snapshot or the elevator pitch of ex, uh, Express Professionals, what would that be? So Express Employment Professionals, we help companies find good people while also helping people find great jobs. So pretty much a a staffing agency. Is there a specific like um, industry that you guys work in? So we... Answer, answer, go ahead. Express Employment Professionals, our job is to help companies find good people while also helping people find great jobs. Got you. And is there a specific industry that you, you do this in or it is all across the board? So we are 800 plus offices throughout the United States and Canada, and we all have sort of a territory. Mm-hmm. And within the territory, there's lots of different businesses that are there. And so we service pretty much any kind of business that's in that market, in our market. Gotcha. And so in, in Jersey City in particular, we have, because of where we're located at, we have a lot of um, distribution centers, a couple manufacturers, not many, but a lot of distribution centers, obviously hotels, uh, everyone kind of has that. Uh, you know, kind of a little bit of everything gotcha. is, is in is in our market. Gotcha. So let's let's rewind. Let's go back a little bit. What were you doing before you were actually in staffing? What was your your path before this? So interesting. I started right out of college uh, as a commercial lender. I went through a credit training program, uh-huh. and through that credit training program, it taught me how to analyze financial statements of businesses. And I started as a small business lender. And as a small business lender, my job was to do that. I had to find customers and lend them money for working capital and to possibly buy buildings. And what happened from that experience was I was able to literally look into the window of business owners and figure out what made them tick and figure out what made them successful. Because as a credit person, I then had to do a write-up and presented to committee because it's not my money, it's the bank's money. Yeah. And presented to committee and, and fight for these companies to lend the money. Um, and we're not talking about a little bit of money. The min, the smallest amount I used to lend 
was a hundred thousand, but most of them was around five hundred to a million. Wow, each. that's a chunk of change. Um, so, w- what was the thing that you noticed that was able to like you see people who were successful and not successful? What were you able to see? What was the thing that you were able to pinpoint? I noticed two really key things: drive mm-hmm. and persistence. Got you. Those were just they were resounding. You know, the thing about um, businesses is that it takes a lot to succeed, right? Yeah. It, if it's your own idea, especially, you have to be self-motivated. There's a lot of, there's a lot of qualities I found, but those two really stuck out. But you do have to be very self-motivating, right? Because at the end of the day, no one's going to push you to get up. You have, you have to motivate yourself to get up, get sales going, motivate your staff if you have staff. Uh, and then you just have to really persevere through sometimes tough challenges yeah. like we're in right now. Yeah. Um, and so you need to be able to um, come up with good ideas sometimes <laughs> on the fly. Yeah, and, and execute and, it. And, and, and execute it, exactly. Those are, that's critical. And so I love talking to a lot of my customers back then. They would give me tours of their facility. I would learn their story because remember, I had to do a write-up about it. Yeah. So I had to do a little bit of backstory where they came from, what their visions are going forward, how they're going to pay the bank back, right? That's a really important part too. Yeah. And it was just, I found it fascinating. Uh, and 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 just the more I did it, the more fascinating I got. Got you. So this is straight out of college. You kind of just took a job professionally. So being around these entrepreneurs, do, do you start like catching the bug? You start saying, hmm, maybe I can do this? Or are you just like, I got a job. I'm out of college. I'll just keep doing this. No, I did. I started catching the bug. I even... I even joined um, a couple organizations because as a lender, you are encouraged to go find business. You're representing mm-hmm. the bank. Typically, yeah. it's still competitive. You know, if you're a decent sized company and you can borrow money from anyone. Mm-hmm. And so my job as a lender was to go out and network. So I used to join all these different networking groups and try to find business and to represent the bank. Gotcha. And each time I went, I talked to more and more people more and more business owners, my ears just started perking up more and more and more. And I'll never forget this to this day. I was in one networking event and I remember it was at night and it was about business ownership or whatever, as it relates to businesses. Right. And the women that were in the room, because it was a women's organization in particular, they said, Deidre, what are you doing here? You're just a bank. And I said, Oh no, one day I'm going to be where you guys are. And I remember them looking at me like, you know, like, cause you know, to work for a bank, I guess to a certain extent can, can seem pretty prestigious, yeah. right? I'm the banker. I'm the one that's got the money and I'm lending it to organizations. And why would I want to leave that kind of job to go work for myself? Yeah. And so what they didn't know was I had all these years of doing this and hearing their story. And I, I was just kind of like putting my thinking cap on to say, hmm, one day I'm going to do something. I, I, at that point, I didn't know what it was. I just remembered literally you know, and I was young. I was probably 25, 24 years old. I had verbally, you know, said that to them. So and did I you say that? Almost chuckling to did me. Did you did you say that in a sense of almost like I could do what you do? You're like don't 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 belittle me in a weird way like that. Yeah, no, I don't think they were belittling me. I just think that to that point of like, you know, no one really makes that leap, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of qualities you need to have as an entrepreneur too. Yes. Right that I don't think people really get it until you're in it. Mm -hmm. And because I had started to get Entrepreneur Magazine 
I had went to a couple expos. I was starting to clue myself in. Remember, this is like 20 years ago. Yeah. So the internet wasn't a big deal. It just yeah. wasn't back yeah. then. It had really morphed as it is now. But 20 years ago, it wasn't, I could just, I couldn't just Google, you know, things that easily. Yeah. Right. And so I had to do just a kind of regular research. And, you know, it was, it was, I felt pretty comfortable. I was doing pretty well with my job. I was getting promoted and, you know, they were throwing money at me to stay. And, you know, why would I go anywhere? Yeah. yeah. You know? It was comfortable. But, yeah, I was super comfortable. Uh, and so, but I don't know what it was. I kind of think back to when I was a child. So I'm the oldest of five. And that comes with a whole nother list yeah, of it's responsibilities. A, it's right? like being an entrepreneur by itself right away. It is, it is. I had to learn to cook and clean and do all those things while my mom was at work and mom and dad were at work. And I was kind of the, I was the one, right? Yeah. And so... I also remember as a child, I used to have a lemonade stand. I grew up in Philadelphia. So I used to have a lemonade stand out in the front. I also used to sell Girl Scout cookies. This is back in the day when you were able to go door to door with Girl Scout cookies. I remember that. Because I remember telling my mom, oh, I can do this. I'm going to get the, the top prize. <laughs> so the most, most Girl Scout cookies. And, I was, and I'm also, I'm extremely competitive. Okay. So I, I always want to win. Yeah, and that's so, also needed in entrepreneurship as well. Yes. Very much needed, yeah. So I, I remember going door to door with probably wearing my cute little Girl Scout outfit. I'm in Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, just walking around. This is back in the day when I guess it was safe. I don't know, I guess. You know, you're a kid. My mom was like, sure, go. You know? And I'll never forget, I, I got that top award for seven of the most Girl Scout cookies of my troop because I wow. was determined to make it happen at a very young age. And so I think a lot of those jewels were in me. And then I had regular jobs in college. Uh, that didn't really spark that. But mm -hmm. I think that that small business uh, position really did it for me. Got you. So you're in the bank how many years now um, at this point when you, you know, you're doing great? How many years were you say you were there? Not very long. Okay. Maybe four. Got you. Okay. Yeah. And, and when do you say, all right, it's, I, I feel like it's time to start making that transition? So I actually left the bank to take really? another job. Okay. I left the bank to take another job um, as a, I used to rate bonds for a living. And, okay. and I took a, a job to rate some bonds and I didn't like it at all. And mm. I feel like it was literally a place to kind of hang my hat temporarily. Yeah. And I was, I, I think I stayed there about two more years and they too were promoting me. I, I'm writing papers on finance stuff. I have a finance background. I have a finance degree. So but during that period of time, it allowed me, I never forgot about the small business lender that I was, and it allowed me to do more research. Uh -huh. And one of the things that I realized is that, remember back to me, my small business and me doing my write-up? Yeah. One of the things I remember reading in my entrepreneur magazine was about franchises and how a franchise, you're not in a business for yourself um, or by yourself, you're in a business for yourself, yeah. right? It's a partnership. And I really clued in on that. And also in my entrepreneur magazine, we talked about, they talked about the failure rate of brand new businesses. And most businesses, I forgot what the number is, but it's pretty high in the first yeah. five years. It's like 90%. And so I said, oh, that's not gonna be me. So this is, so at this point, I'm about 27, 28. Now I'm telling my age, darn it. 28 <laughs> <laughs> years old. And I say, I don't even, I don't have a husband. I'm just dating the, the man that I'm married to now. So we're just dating. We don't have children, but I want all those things. I want the whole thing. I want the white picket fence. I want the kids, the husband. I want it all, yeah. but I don't want to kill myself. 
you know? And, I, and so I said, you know, I looked at, I wrote down a couple things that were key to me, right? I needed to be off in the evenings. I needed to be off on the weekends. I don't want to kill myself 24 seven. So I immediately took out food okay. right off the bat. Yeah, because those I said are- that came with a whole host of headaches. Yeah. And then I started narrowing down on what fit me. Remember, I was a, I was technically in sales because yeah. I had to go out and meet owners, businesses, and sell them the bank, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As silly as that sounds. And I I really honed in on a couple things and staffing just started bubbling to the surface. I even considered commercial cleaning because that was an evening, yeah, not as big of a of a commitment. Um, on the weekends. And then for some reason, I really, once I figured out staffing, then I was like all in. I was so, doing all the research on franchising staffing. So was there a reason why you chose staffing? Just because it fit all those criteria you were looking it for? Okay, yeah, It was very corporate, which okay. I love to dress up. Uh-huh. I love to speak to people. I love to network. All the same things I did as a banker. Gotcha. And then I knew I could be off tech, kind of. I mean, you know, I still work crazy hours, but I could be, I could hang it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At I, five o'clock if I wanted to, because I, most of my clients, you know, with with the exception of hotels, yeah. most of them go home and yeah. they don't work weekends either. And I was like, mm, that fits me too. Yeah, gotcha. So I was looking at a lot, I was pretty forward thinking now that I think about it, about some of the criteria. And I had some, I had some, you know, ones where I was, you know, was really strict on. That's why food went away right away. Yeah. Because everything I read meant told me food, you're, you're, you're 24 hours. Week, you're yeah. 11 p.m. at night. And I was like, nope, that's not going to work if I have a baby. Right. Gotcha. And so I was really specific with that. And then just more research I did and talking to people, I really felt staffing fit. And then it, it was an outsource, right? This was back in like two 19s in the late 90s, right? Yeah. When staffing was, I mean, outsourcing was a big buzzword. Yeah. Everybody was outsourcing everything. Everything, yeah. Right? And I was like, ooh, well, then let me get on that train. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. So, and then that's great. I mean, you you gave a really good gem because you at least chose your, your like, what you weren't going to do, your criteria is. Because a lot of people get into stat, um, get into uh, franchises based on the amount of money that they have, not like the criteria that that makes best sense. Yeah, it's funny because I think back to it now, I mean, I do pretty well, right? But I think back to when I started, I never really thought about money. I knew I could make money. Yeah. I never had a dollar amount. And that was probably a flaw on my part too. <laughs> I've since learned better. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had some good mentors along the way. Yeah. But um, that was never, I figured the money would follow. I needed to like what I was doing. I needed to feel comfortable. It had to fit what I wanted in my life. And like I said, I was dating the man that I'm now married to. So me and him kind of bounced ideas off of it. And we had decided together that he would not join the business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Smart. Keep his nine to five. And and I wasn't even married. We didn't get married till about two years into the business. Got you. So it was so, helpful. So why did you choose Express? What did they have? Because there's a ton of staffing franchises. What did they have that you said this was like for me and why I wanted to go in that direction with that company? So I was really specific based on my research that I wanted to be able to do both temp and full-time. Okay. A couple of the franchises I was talking to, they only wanted me to sell full-time. Mm-hmm. And I knew from based on my research, that wasn't going to keep the lights on. We'll keep it's the hard. lights on our, our mm-hmm. temp business, right? Full-time business is great. Good shot in the arm and get 20 grand, 50 grand, you know, but then it goes away. Yeah. Temp business, even though you don't make as much, it's steady, Eddie, Eddie. Yeah, it's consistent. And so 
I, I started, you know, I started mixing actually a couple of ones that weren't willing to accept me because you did, you still had to be approved by them. Mm-hmm. And they were giving me, oh, well, we want you to just do direct hire. Well, that's not, that's not what I wanted. I wanted both. Okay. And then I literally, there was an angel. I swear it had to be an angel because I don't even know this person's name to this day. I'm up there talking to brokers and a, and a franchise broker typically make their money from selling a franchise. Yeah. This particular person, this man that I spoke to, like, again, I don't know his name. But I remember him telling me, um, Express Employment changed his name. But back then, they were called Express Personnel. Mm-hmm. So we're on the phone talking. And I remember him saying, hey, you know, because remember, I would go to all the franchise expos. And I never saw Express. I would see their competitors. They were never, you know, maybe it was, you know, we're in a metro area in New York. It's probably expensive to be the franchise expo here. I don't know. But I never saw them. So I never mm-hmm. really, they weren't on my radar. And remember, the internet is brand new. It's yeah, not really yeah, happening. So yeah. I can't just Google top staffing firms. Yeah. Doesn't you know? Now it exists, but back then it didn't exist. Yeah. He says to me, Do you, "You need, you really need to check out this Express Personnel." And I was like, "Really? I've never heard of it." Uh, and then I just do, you know, I think the internet was starting to come around, so I did yeah. a basic little search on it, and I got somebody's name and phone number. I remember calling him like five minutes after that. I hung up the phone with that gentleman. Not even. Two days later, he was on a plane to see me. Wow. In Jersey. Really? Yes. yes. I mean, Did I'm sure a, a five-minute conversation. I'm sorry? After a five-minute conversation? No, it wasn't a five-minute conversation. No. I remember we had to, I had to send over some paperwork and some due diligence stuff they probably had to do behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That part is real hazy to me. Okay. I just remember, or maybe it wasn't two days. Maybe it felt like two days. Okay, let's call it a week or two. Okay. Still Whatever fast. it was, yeah. it was pretty quick because I was already pretty deep with these other competitors. Yeah. I had been approved, but remember it was on the direct hire side only to be with them. One actually did want me to be temp and mm-hmm. they wanted me in a market that I was living in Jersey city at the moment. And I wanted to stay in Jersey city and they wanted me to move to wherever it was. And I was not willing to do that. Gotcha. So I had been approved to be, to go somewhere else, but I would have to move mm-hmm. or commute over an hour. And so I was like, no, nah, I really want to try to hone in on Jersey City. I know this market. I know the businesses here. And so this, this person um, at Express, you know, Employment Professionals, he, they were on it from the beginning. And I appreciated that. That I felt like what felt like two days, which might have been two weeks, but it felt really fast. Gotcha. He, he flew to the Newark, to Newark. We met at the hotel at the airport. He, he literally flew in and flew out that same day. Wow, just and to I give you the information. Yeah, because he that's how serious he saw it. And we were only at that point, there was only two other express offices in New Jersey. So gotcha. I would have been the third one. So they were fairly new within the market. Correct. Gotcha. So didn't that like kind of worry you a little bit? They didn't they didn't really have much market experience. Or no, however, because they have four hundred across the country at that point. Gotcha. And they have them and we doubled in size. Okay. But uh again, for me. It was about the tried and true system. I actually found it as a great opportunity to kind of cement my place in New Jersey. Yeah. The one office that was here first, of course, I went to talk to him and he, we are still friends to this day. And, he, and I consider him a very uh, strong ally and mentor to me, you know, because he sat me down and broke everything down to me. And I had a lot of great questions and he answered them as honestly as he could. And he's still in business to this day. He's been in business 25 years and I'm, and I'm in business 20 years. So how long before you sign and say, I'm going with Express, how long after him coming to Newark did you sign and actually move forward? 
that part's hazy, but I'm going to guess at least six months. Okay. One of the things back in the day they did do is they actually had a SBA loan tied to the franchise, the franchisor. Mm-hmm. They don't, I don't, this particular franchise doesn't do it anymore, but back in the day, you know, I'm 28, 29 years old. That was attractive to me Yeah. because I had really good credit and I had the ability to literally get a, all I had to do was be approved by the franchise order and my SBA approved me for a loan. Wow. So it was, it was a working capital loan. Remember I, I was a banker, so I understood the importance of having capital. Yeah. And I also remember not lending money to brand new startups. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I can't just go to the bank and say, hey, can I have the money? Yeah. <laughs> so I was smart enough to understand that. Gotcha. And then so you start you start off now. Granted, you still don't know staffing. Did they give you some sort of training? Like how how does the process yeah. work from that? Yes. So let me back up for a quick second. No problem. So one of the things from my research when he finally came out to see me is how important it was to have really good partners on mm-hmm. your side, right? And remember, I told you my boyfriend, now you know, husband, uh, he's not, he wasn't interested. So I called a buddy and I said, hey, got an idea. What do you think? Somebody I went to college with. Yeah. And Holly said, sign me up. Wow. So when Fred came out, he met with both of us. And she signed on and has been my lifelong ally, support, go-to person. Yeah. And so when we started, they make you go to training. And it's funny because my husband (laughs) came with us. Really? (laughs) He's an educator and we went in the summer. So he was like, I'm not doing anything. I'll go. Might as well, yeah. And because the intention was that he was going to possibly help us in the summers Mm -hmm. and he quickly learned it wasn't his forte. So it was pretty funny. (laughs) So my, uh, me and Holly went to training and they give you three weeks of full training in Oklahoma city. Okay. Which was phenomenal because they teach you everything. Remember I didn't have a staffing background. I was a banker. Holly was also a banker. So we didn't have, we didn't know anything. We just knew, I, you know, I used to temp as a, in, in college. That's about yeah. as much as I knew about an, an agency and based on my research. So they train you for three weeks and then they send you back to your market. But all in the meantime, the back of that is I'm making sure we got, we found, we found space and furniture and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you start up and believe it or not, our anniversary is September 11th. Really? So you started on September 11th. 2000 though wow wow you started in the worst possible job market and you're in jersey city right across from the world trade center our anniversary is a year prior i'm sorry our anniversary so our one-year anniversary holly and i were supposed to have dinner i would never forget it that night because to celebrate one year milestone at Uh that point we only had one employee and yeah so wow. it was not, you know, we, but however, what I will say is that, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't know anything. We didn't know down yeah. because we had already, we had only, we had just started. Yeah. So when the world fell apart with September 11 and people stopped hiring, we didn't really, it didn't really go down for us because we had already, we had, we had started our climb. Gotcha. And so we had just started and kept climbing. 
So within that training, did they sit you guys down and show you how to be a recruiter and then show how to be a business development person, go and get the business, recruit it yourself? Because I know in the beginning, you kind of have to do a lot of that before you hire they somebody. They showed you all of those three weeks were long. We had literally almost 12 hour days every single day. Wow. And then they put you on like live calls trying to like yep, We had to practice. We had to do market research before we got to Oklahoma. We had to practice when we were there. We practiced with each other. It was grueling. Wow. It was really grueling. They fed you though, which was great. Like all day. They were like, don't leave. Just, just, just stay with us. <laughs> gotcha. So then you guys start off in a year anniversary in like one of the worst, going to be like a really hard time, especially in the Jersey New York. Well, it kind of works out better for Jersey City because a lot of the jobs that were in us, um, lower Manhattan kind of moved over to Jersey City. So did that help a little bit? No, it didn't. So the funny thing is, Ali and I just thought, like, my building is right amongst all the nice high rises. I have a beautiful view of the Empire State Building from my building. Mm -hmm. And we all had this grandiose idea that we would get all that business. And we forgot all that business also comes with a whole bunch of competitors. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it wasn't as easy as we thought it was. Okay. Uh, and then it actually made it more challenging with September 11th because no one wanted to take our phone calls, no one wanted to see us in person. You know, it was a, it was a challenging time. But again, we didn't really know down. Yeah, yeah. We and it was our, probably better that it happened that yeah, way. Yeah, we were so our conferences and we would hear about these other owners that were like, oh, here, we're down 30%, 40%. We're like, well, we're like actually up. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. We, exactly. You know, we were we were able to pay back our SBA loan, and we were we were like fine. Gotcha. You know? it, was, it was interesting. And your first couple of clients were just what, like the same kind of businesses that you work after now, like hotels and the distribution center and stuff like that. Yeah, hotel distribution center. We had a bunch of office buildings, not a bunch, but we had some office buildings right near us. Mm-hmm. You know, we were grabbing any and every client we can get. We weren't turning not one piece of business down. We couldn't afford gotcha. it. We were brand new. Got you. Business. Um, so, and I was out selling and Holly was in office recruiting and we hired a a person to do our front office receptionist admin. So that's a good point. So how did you guys decide that? Because in partnerships, you know, I had a cleaning company with two of my best friends and we, you know, we kind of just, we chose stuff to do and then we realized what was our best skill set. And then we kind of yes. leaned more so into that's our skill set. exactly what we did. We yeah, chose okay. our best skill set. So I think back to my skills that I told you about earlier as it relates to even how I found Express. So Holly and I both have a finance background. That's how we met. We met mm-hmm. at Rutgers and we both majored in finance and we had a lot of classes together. And so gotcha. we gelled that way. And so we both had a big finance background, but I was a bit stronger on sales. Mm-hmm. So even though she was a banker like I was, she did really big, ginormous deals. Yeah. Um, you know, which you, which you don't necessarily have to go out and network and get business and that kind of stuff. I did that. Yeah, she did the big giant analyzing, crunching numbers kind of stuff, and I did the schmoozing and chitty chatting. Yeah, and I did, I had the finance side. So, uh, but I immediately once we got to Oklahoma and they explained how that you how you have to separate it, I was like, oh, that's me. Gotcha. I can do the sales. Holly, you handle back office, all that's you know, you know, books, and you can do the recruiting and all that stuff until we have enough money to hire another person. And gotcha. that's kind of how we delineated it right from the door. And actually, it kind of pretty much stayed. Which, what we wound up finding out was she was actually really good at sales, too. Because I got oh. eventually, I got a little burnt out a couple years in. Uh-huh. And I said, Holly, I need you to sell. Like, 
like sell like a day a week. I'll do four, you do one. Yeah. And then it was like, can you do two? I'll do three. Then it was like, can you do three? I'll do two. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sales and can get very daunting in a sense too. And then eventually we were, we decided we needed a full-time sales rep. And that's, you know, so we, so we're both more inside doing business development from a phone standpoint and managing the clients. Cause now we have, we have a lot of clients between, between each other. So I was in staffing, you and I spoke about this before, and most people don't understand like the business of it. Did Express provide like the back office, like support part of it? Like is the financing, the whole thing behind that? Or did you guys have to figure that out on your own? So the financing part, the beauty of, I think this is the biggest beauty of a staffing firm uh, franchise is that they do a lot of that stuff for us. So once we, that we have proprietary software that we put everything into, Mm -hmm. and then they process all of our invoices and send them out to our clients. And we have to collect it, right? Because they yeah. they want to make sure you're making good business decisions. But we have to pay our people weekly. And then they they fund us the money. So remember, I from that banker background. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh, that yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah. So they fund us for a period of time. And, and they expect us to get paid from our clients. So our clients pay. And that's how the funds funnel. Yeah. And then you repay them back and you take the profits off top. Right. They take the profits. They they re, they reimburse them. If that makes sense. Okay. Got you. Got you. Right. Okay. So, so at, so all the time, you know, you don't have to stress about a client not paying you because you have to make, you have to make payroll every single week. Yeah. They don't want to hear, you know, the client's not paying you. They want to get paid every week. Yeah. No matter what. Gotcha. That was a huge, that was like numero uno for me with my background in banking. You know, I did not a lot, but I I did a little bit of factoring, um, financing. Yeah. I was super familiar with what that looked like. Yeah. And I remember how expensive it was. It was, yeah. Yes. And so when when they brought that up to my attention, you know, I was like, ooh, that's like, that's almost at the top of the list. I mean, obviously next to that would be like, they provide marketing, they provide support, they give you a coach. Mm-hmm. A lot of things that they do provide for you, but that was like, that'll put a company under. Yeah. Not able to finance and Everything. not able to make payroll. That'll then- put them under. And there's a lot of independents that use like back office companies to help them with their staffing. And then that also gets tricky if you choose the bad, the, the, like a bad back office company that can help you with that financing. And I've seen people go through you know, funny situations with that. Where I know. Yeah. I, like I said, I think the, the experience of being a commercial lender really helped me tremendously. Yeah. Because I went in with a lot more intel than other people probably don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, right now, everyone's freaking out about, you know, I got to talk to some, uh, one of these owners and they said they have to borrow money for the first time. The time to borrow money is not when you are in need of it. Yeah. The time to borrow money is set up those relationships. We've had a line of credit for years yes, and we've yeah. never used it. But I was smart enough to know you always set up those good relationships when you don't need the money. And, yeah. just, and I just renew my line of credit. Every year they send me a little letter and I sign off. And they, they need to see financials. I send them to them. They make sure we're still sobbing. We're making money. And I renew it every year and no questions asked. And guess what? When I need it, you it's- You got it. Yeah. And then the great part is that when you don't need it, you get approved for everything. And as soon as you do need it, you don't get approved for anything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and I think that those are just, again, just I remember being in committees <laughs> when my manager is throwing daggers at me about why should we approve this loan when they clearly are in financial trouble. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you know, got you. So now you're, you guys are kind of smooth sailing. Um, you get past nine 11, you get past that time. You've been in the business for like 20 years. 
what was the, you say is like the biggest lesson you've learned being on the side of an entrepreneur now? Because you've been an entrepreneur more than you've worked for someone. I know. So, oh my God, there's so many amazing lessons. Um, A big one is that it is important. You know, I'm going to go back to that being self-motivated. It is important to know what you like to do and what you don't like to do, mm-hmm. right? And the, and so when people say they want to be an entrepreneur, I almost want to, I know an Entrepreneur Magazine, which I subscribe to, and it just came in the mail today, I'm super excited about reading it, is there was an article on really putting together the pluses and the minuses yeah. for what you want to do. And it is important to understand that not everyone can be an entrepreneur. Yes. And it's okay if you don't. Like when people, because sometimes I'm in the office and because I'm like a high D personality and people yeah. know what that means, right? So I'm yeah. high D, I'm an oldest of five. You know, I got a lot of things that are, you know, I, 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 that I have pluses and minuses in myself, right? Yeah. So one time I'll never forget when the copier broke and I was like, dang on it. Y'all better call the copier person. And I was like, ah. I'm the copier person. <laughs> or when the phones don't work and you want to just call, you know, Verizon to fix it real quick, but you realize that you got to first do troubleshoot it. I'm like, I'm the troubleshooter. Yeah. Oh. And so I think that when you're in a corporate job, you don't th- you don't have to think about those things. You no. can simply pick up the phone and call tech support and they come over and do, do, do. You know, and so, however, there's a lot of pluses with being your own boss, but then there's a, sometimes it can be very lonely. Yeah. And I hear that a lot. And that is one of the things I barely, I actually never really felt because I guess I have a beauty of not only am I in a family, a franchise family, family, yeah, but I have a business partner. And so her and I bounce ideas off each other. uh, And that helps me not feel isolated, but sometimes it can be a little isolating when you think that I did these decisions that I make today can have plus or minus ramifications for my business from a financial standpoint and from a longevity standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And it can and be also, a little frightening to make those it, decisions. And then also it bleeds into personal, you know, because there's there's never a disattachment, you know. You have a business right. partner, which is great, but I guarantee most of your conversations you have with her are about business. And you get, on, you get out of work, you're on the phone with her, it's about business. And I, tell, mm-hmm. I say it on this podcast all the time, entrepreneurship, the first time you're going to cry about yourself, to yourself, about yourself. Like, yes, <laughs> so true. And it's so funny because Express has a lot of husband and wife teams and I applaud them day in and day out yeah. because I am so thankful that my husband decided to not join the business yeah. because sometimes I can I can just come home and lie and he could be like, how was work? And I could be like, it was Great. fabulous. And it would it could be the worst day ever. Yeah. But he he he's gonna go off, off of what I say. And if yeah. I say it's fabulous, or it Ooh. might say I don't, or it might just say I don't want to talk about it. And he gets that because I do that sometimes. I say I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Because he knows when I want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. But, yeah. And so if if it was my partner that was in the business with me, I don't know if I could turn it off that easily. Mm-hmm. And someone else equated it to like your child. You talk about it like your child. And I guess to a certain extent, that's true, right? You go out to dinner and what you talk about with your your spouse, you talk about your children, you're like, oh yeah. my God, I'm not around you all day long. Now we're talking talk about the same thing. <laughs> and so- So true. <laughs> I love how I can just go like this. I can turn it off. I can walk into the door. Boom, it's I can over. turn off my phone. I can yeah. hang out with my kids. I can hang out with my, my husband. And they won't know I had the worst day. A company didn't want to pay me. Somebody yelled at me. Yeah. You know, I, whatever happened. 
they don't need to know any of that. All I, I can just come in and say, hey guys, how was your day? Oh, mine was great. And they would not know the story. <laughs> Meanwhile, you go in the shower and be like, oh my God, I don't worry. Like, um so you know right now i'd be remiss to not talk about it but we're in unprecedented times we're in the weirdest time we've ever seen um in you know in my life and most people i've spoken to that this is the first time they've ever seen something like this um what would you say to someone who's sitting on the sideline right now they want to start that business they kind of got laid off they're sitting at home what advice would you give them right now would you say wait it out write it out start now like what because you started your business like right you started at 9-11. You, you have your one-year anniversary in 9-11. So, you so, know, you were at the bottom. You know what that looks like. It's funny because, again, we've never seen anything like this, right? And I honestly think this is the best time to start a business. Really? As Why is that? As silly as that sounds. Because, well, first of all, you need to evaluate you, right? That is like numero uno. Remember back when I said I found out what I liked, what I didn't like. I found mm-hmm. out what things were deal breakers didn't have to happen, right? It's important to evaluate what that is. But again, home, you know, I was about to say homeownership, entrepreneurship and homeownership at that matter yeah. is not for everybody, right? And so you need to evaluate if that's for you. And, and the best way to do that, to be honest, is to really ask people, right? If you have that circle and you've got people that are honest with you, because when people call me up, and I mentor people myself and they call me and they ask me questions. I'm very candid, right? I'm very candid about what I don't like. Remember I talked about the copier story. Yeah. I don't want to fix copiers, but I have to, that yeah. sucks. Sometimes I'm just like, I just want to get a job. I want to collect a paycheck. I don't have to worry about any of that crap, Yeah. you know? And so again, there's not anything wrong with that. A lot, the, 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 the last two financial crises, um, you know, recessions, both of them, yeah. both sparked business ownership, both yeah. of them, yeah. because people got laid off and they figured I got this nest egg of money. Let me try to do something with it. But I encourage you to really dig deep in yourself first to determine if that's just a knee jerk reaction or if it's really coming from another space. Because if it's a knee jerk reaction, you know, people fail in franchises too. People yeah. fail in businesses and franchises and they figure out once they get in it, you know, when I got into this, believe it or not, Jerome, I said to myself, me and Holly, we both, we were like, who wouldn't want to go to work? I had my first no-show and I really wanted to cry. Yeah. Because I was like, I never understood. I worked since I was 13 years old, babysitting. And then I worked for Burger King and Mitt Marshall, TJ Maxx, Sears. Yeah. I had all those little retail jobs as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and so I never understood why someone would just not go to work. And yeah. So and it- I- to me, I was like, I was devastated. And they did well in the interview. They did well. Yes. You vetted them out and yes. then they don't show up. It's the weirdest They don't show thing. up. Like, no big deal to them. And then you call them and they don't answer the phone. And you're yeah. like, who, who would do that? I have built a callus for people not showing up to work now. <laughs> Thankfully, I have staff that handle that now because when it first happened to me and it was my account and I brought it in and I sat to that client, you know, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, you know, Joe will be here tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's not there. You know, um, and then you learn so, to you learn to backfill real fast. You're like, I'm gonna do two. Yeah. You learn to really, you know, at the end of the day, clients know it. They because they get the same thing. Yeah. You know, we place not just professional. We do place that. We place support level staff, administrative. We place industrial, commercial. 
as well, all across, we have situations that happen like that. Yeah. And so back to your question is like, you need to really dig and make sure you're not knee jerk reaction. Just because I'm laid off, I have nothing to do. I got this chunk of change in the bank. Let me start a business, yeah. right? Because you know, where is that coming from? You know, what have you done before? You know, and I love how people do 360s. I'm okay with that. I just want you to be sure you're thinking it through clearly. And then, and then I say about asking people and being honest and really like everybody's home, like everybody. Yeah. So, so you have an opportunity to call people that might not normally answer the phone yeah. or, 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 or they might respond back to you. We didn't have LinkedIn 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like I would be all over LinkedIn trying to figure out who's going to talk to me about whatever I'm thinking of doing. Yeah. Right. Because you might get lucky. Yes. People are still busy. I'm very busy, even though I'm working remotely, I'm still very busy. So, but you have the ability to talk to people you never had access to before or friends of friends of friends, mm-hmm. like do some due diligence. This is a great time to do due diligence, lay some eggs as well as still look for a job. If that's what you want to do, because at the end of the day, you may want to find it out. It's not, I don't want to do that. I don't want to yeah. own my own business. I don't want to have to worry about the copy breaking down or, you know, the phone system's not working or I got to figure out how to make payroll. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to find a job. Right. And so, and then if you do determine, I do want to do this, if it be a franchise or you have an amazing, um, you know, idea that you want to really platform off, you know, try it. I, so here's one of the things that I always said, because I started at a young age. And so the fear of the unknown was not a big deal for me. Remember I had no kids, no husband. So I didn't have this kind of mortgage hanging over me, college tuitions, you know, how, what are my kids going to eat? It was just me. And so because of that, I felt like I was able to take a little bit more risk than, um, someone that might've had all those requirements now, right? If you have all those requirements now, however, I also want to say that I want to live my life with no regrets. Mm -hmm. Right. And I want to look back in my olden years and know that I tried Yeah, and know that I gave it my 125%. Yeah. That's a big thing for me when I was like, I think I was like 17 or so. I had, um, there was this program called the RAIN program in school. And we went to like a nursing home and like helping old people out. And um, one of the biggest things I, I also like people who are like much older than me, I always ask them like, what decade did you like in your life? Like your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. And, you know, you people start telling you, I love my 30s because of this or my 40s because I had my kids, and whatever it was. But you start seeing like, you know, what mistakes you wish you never did. I started asking all these questions and we started seeing like the nursing home is filled with a ton of regret. People are like, I wish I had dated Bobby yeah. Smith. You know, I wish I had married that person or I wish yeah. I would have started that business. Or, you know, yeah. one, one guy told me like, you know, don't put so much of your like he's like he's not saying don't love your kids, don't love your um, everything about them, but like don't forego your life because of them because he's like you know i foregoed he foregoed him being in a band and now that band is like a a worldwide traveling salsa band and you know he foregoed that to raise his kids and now his kids are old and they're like i don't give a damn about you dad you know and he's like he wished he wished he never did that so like you start hearing a lot of these lessons of like you know regret is a big thing and you might avoid that in your life and it's funny you bring that up because it's something that I go on that all the time. I'm like, I'm gonna just make a decision and go for it. I don't care if it went bad or it goes good or whatever. I lost, at least I tried and I went for it. You know? Absolutely. I love talking to older people because yeah. they are full of wisdom. And as we age ourselves, right, we have nuggets that we pass down to younger people. Yeah. You know, and I share I share some some tips with my kids if they listen or not. 
I was so tough <laughs> about it because I'm, I'm teaching my son now about the stock market. And, yeah. you know, he's just, I, I, I got him a book called like make more money than your parents or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, he, you know, I want, I'm, I'm going to drop nuggets to them, you know, as, as anyone should, right. We want our kids to do better than ourselves. Right. And mm-hmm. so the same with older folks, I love talking to older people because they have, they have so much knowledge gotcha. and you're, you're right. You know, I don't want to have regret. You want to think that you've tried. Um, and then you, and it's okay to fail, right. Fail forward. Yeah. Right. And not be worried. Like, Oh, I lost this kind of money. I lost this kind of time. But what, you know, when, when I, when I do self-reflection, sometimes I think about well, what I, I learned from that. Right. Yeah. So I had a situation where the person didn't show up to work. What did I learn from that? Because I was devastated. I'm in the office. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I got to put on my game face when I go home, right? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I finally get an account and, you know, <laughs> they don't show up. Uh, and so what does that mean? I don't have money coming in. But what did yeah. you learn from that, right? Yeah. I learned that I, I maybe said two people next time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Backfield, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so you, you just, you, you take little nuggets and, and you can't beat yourself up because no one's perfect. Right. And no, and, and we're always learning and growing. And it's important to surround yourself with good people. So that's why I'm saying there's a plethora of resources now that we never had. You can throw up on Facebook right now and I'm thinking of doing X kind of business. And get what feedback. Do you guys think? And you yeah. can get you can build your own little market research. Yeah, right away. <laughs> yeah. Your friends. Yeah. Like we've never had that kind of power. And again, everybody's home. And the ones that yap the most. They are really home, right? They probably aren't even working. So you can have, you can have a Zoom meeting or whatever kind of webinar, and uh-huh. you can bring all your friends into the room, and you can get market research done on what do you think of my idea? Gotcha. Yeah. So it's best. It's a, it's kind of the best time to start, or at least get an idea for the best time to start. Yes. Yeah. Um. Question for you. So you talked about resources. Where is there like a book or a, a resource that helped you along your way, or, or multiple books, or something that you could recommend to the audience? So, oh my God, there's so many books. Um, the Five Minute Manager. Uh, Great one. That's a good uh, one. By five, Spencer, five, five Spencer Johnson, something like that. I have, a, I, have, I have a couple of them in my office here. I have to find them. I, I'm, not, I'm bad on the spot, Jerome. He could have made some books. We don't ask me ahead of time. But <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do read. Uh, <laughs> I read a lot of biographies. Yeah. Um, I garner a lot of energy from people's stories. Mm-hmm. You and I are the same. I do. I do. I love biographies. Yes. I, I learn more from biographies than I do like a business book. I, I love them both. Oh my gosh. Because right now I'm reading. Um, oh crap. The heck, see, I, I don't fit good on the top of my head. I'm reading something about sales. Okay. Um, virtual. No. Yeah. I forgot. Anyway, I give, I give you the details of yeah. of my, my five books I'm reading now because I, they rotate. Um, and that one, I've already garnered nuggets from that one on time management. Chapter one was on time management. I was like, Oh my goodness. This is like, <laughs> it was like a literally an aha moment yeah. on chapter one. And I'm taking my time this time with this particular book that eventually will come to me. Um, because it talks about time management and how important it is to, I always write down my to do's, but now they, they tell you to put time frames next to each one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, one hour, and really be specific with that. Yeah, is it? Um, 
Is it uh, Habits of Highly Effective People? I read that one too. Okay. But no, it's not that one. It's going to bother me, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you know afterwards and you can put it in, in, the, in the description. The description, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's something, it's a sale, something sales machine. Something okay. Like that. Got you. So, what is the best business advice you've ever received? The best business advice that I've ever received is probably be your authentic self. Nice. That's a good one. Like, I can't. At the end of the day, I got to be comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's important that I show up for myself and my team. I can't, I don't do fake and I don't like fake people either. Yeah. And I surround myself with good people. The great part about being the boss is that you don't have to hire, <laughs> you hire the crappy people around you. So you if they're oh, crappy, oh, it's your fault. No, another good tip. I can't say I always do this well, but another great tip is hire people smarter than you. Yes. (laughs) Right? Because if you hire people smarter than you, they, you know, I always tell my team to please, I don't have all the answers. Please share with me, you know, what you think we should do, right? Especially now, because we're in unprecedented times and I definitely don't have all the answers, but I want to have thought people working for me that can come up with different ideas. Gotcha. And what was the worst business advice you've ever received? Just go work for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I ever want to do that? Gotcha. Can you imagine? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, I, no, it's tough. It's tough to even think like that right now because it's just such a mental... To like go in someone else's system is kind of rough right now. Well, you know, the crazy thing is when I eventually decided to leave my really cushy job, in Manhattan yeah. and making good money and I'm cute and young and I think I got my stuff going on. Um, I didn't tell them where I was doing. Really? Nope. I never told them. And and I, it, it, it almost was hilarious because I had signed the franchise agreement, had my finance and had my lease. You know, I had to have all these ducks in a row. I was going to Oklahoma like in two weeks. Really? Training. I never told them. So this, so this is how it went. So I went into my boss and I said, I'm going to give my two weeks notice. And if you were going to a competitor, you really had to tell them that was like an honor system. Yeah, because you had a competitor. They need need you to leave right away. Right. Uh Makes sense. And I assured them they got to trust me. I'm not going to a competitor. Well, where are you going, Deidre? I I really I really don't want to tell you. Why not? I said, I just I really trust and believe it's not a competitor. You know why I did that? Why is that? I didn't, need, I didn't need naysayers. Mm-hmm. I and I felt like they would be like, "We just promoted you. We just gave you more money. Yeah. You know, why would you want to leave all of this?" And I didn't need that in my ear. I had already made my decision. Yeah. I was literally coming into them to say I quit, <laughs> right? And it was so funny because as a as a practice at my firm, they always took you out the very last day you work. So yeah. here I am. It was me and like 20 or 30 of my colleagues and my manager and her, I think her senior boss came as well. And they, they were all like, why? Like, you're not, you really aren't going to tell us. And I said, no, I said, I just, I really, I would just, I really appreciate if you just respect my decision. I think that's what I kept saying, respect my decision, respect my decision. And I don't remember if I got that from myself or my mother or who, but I was so glad I did that. So it was funny because about Two or three years later, I happened to call one of the people that were still working at the firm. 
And she was like, oh my goodness, that's what you're doing? (laughs) (laughs) I, they never, ever, ever knew. I never called on them to get business. I just, I just parted ways. Yeah. I, I didn't need naysayers. Yeah. I needed to start on my own. I was putting a lot of time and energy in, even with my family. My mother knew. That was about it. I didn't go tell cousins and aunties. I yeah. Because I didn't need, I didn't need naysayers. I needed to be, I needed people on my team. And you know, your mom's always on your team. So I told my mom and my dad was it. They're always on your team. But well, nobody else. I said, you know what? Because if they, at the end of the day, they try to make me second guess my decision. Yeah. I don't need that right now. Yeah, I mean, because they would have padded you. They would have padded you with like, you're gonna leave this comfortable. You're not even doing, and then you, the seeds gonna plant in your head, and that doubt's exactly. gonna grow and grow and grow. I mean, I had literally got promoted. Yeah. And so I would never forget this. That my, not my boss, my boss's boss came into my office, and that's a big deal to have an office in Manhattan, by the way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> came into my office. And he just kept looking at me like, you're really not going to tell me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. I was like, I really, I really, I please respect my decision. I just kept saying that yeah. over and over again. That's smart though. That's smart to protect yourself and protect yourself from other people's opinions. Yeah. And I yeah. said, you know what? If I made a bad decision, it's it's mine alone. Yeah. And I don't need you guys. It's filtered. And you're right. Because that nugget would have been planted. Like, oh. Yeah. You know, because even when I started, and I then eventually had to tell everybody. Yeah. I still had a couple naysayers. Yeah, you of course. Just, you just gotta you gotta take that noise out because you're always gonna have naysayers. Yeah. And again, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Yeah. And I don't not no one in my no one in my family owns a business. So I was coming with no kind of like, you know, mentor from that perspective. Good, yeah. So and you had so to figure it out. We all they all had jobs. Yeah. And so for me to be like the first one in my family was kind of a big deal. So now now that you're an entrepreneur, would you push your kids to be that? I am trying. They are not feeling me, but I am trying. Yeah. (laughs) So my, you know, I I bought them books and, you know, they're still young. My son is 15 now, but but he wants to be an engineer. And I have his own engineering firm. So I'm laying nuggets now. However, I do think that it's important to work for somebody first. I know how kids are in college and they're studying entrepreneurship. And I say, honestly, it is still important to cut your teeth on yeah. somebody else's dime. A hundred percent. Because 100%. you can learn a lot. You, I don't know. Even if it's not in the same field. One, you need to collect, you need some capital, right? Everybody yeah. needs capital. And I'm not yeah. saying I had a ton of capital because I did have to borrow that SBA loan. Um, but it was important to cut my teeth. And remember, those nuggets, all those nuggets I gathered, yeah. I gathered on someone else's dime. I'm networking and schmoozing on someone else's dime. Yeah, and then also, too, I know guaranteed you probably went back and called a couple of those business owners and said, hey, this is what I'm doing now. You know, if you're interested. You know, the funny thing is I didn't. I didn't. Oh, you did you know not? Why? Oh, wow. I did not. Because the territory that I had when I was a lender was not the same territory I had when oh, I had express. gotcha. So I wasn't actually allowed to. Oh, okay. Um. But that would have been a good idea had I had yeah. that territory. Yeah, because I would have just went back to all those business cards. Like, hey, buddy, what's up? <laughs> and they all love me. They would have been like, sure, sure, we'll give you your staff. And nope, yeah. I had to start from zero. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 100% right. Cutting your teeth. I mean, I started my first business when I was 18. And I learned a lot just doing that by myself. But like when I actually got into corporate America, I learned so much more 
Um, you know, because there was a structure in place. There's a lot of things in there. Did I did I fit in within that structure? No, but there was so much that I got from it. So going into somewhere and saying, hey, I'm going to cut my teeth for a couple of years, learn on someone else's dime, stack my little war chest of money. It's it's a great idea. It's just that the problem with that, you know, there's a saying, the two most addictive things in America is heroin and a steady paycheck, right? So you, you, when you start getting that steady <laughs> paycheck, yeah, when you start getting that steady paycheck, you know, your dreams kind of go out the window because everything gets so- Well, here's the deal. If you go- to a job with the end in mind, yeah. maybe you're going in with a different strategy, right? So once I sort of feel that, that what I wanted to do, then my questions became a little bit different, different yeah. when I That's talked true. to those business owners, uh-huh. you know, cause I, you know, I, I kind of ask it a little bit differently or maybe my, my antenna went up a little bit more gotcha. as it related to that. And so if you, if you think that's what you want to do, then, you know, align yourself with good people, get good mentors, and maybe they're in the organization or, or outside the organization. Yeah. But then just start asking those really tough questions and, 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 and don't just answer with one person. Ask out of a couple people because some people yeah. might, might not tell you the truth, to be honest with you. Yeah. Or some people may not be, it might be a vulnerable spot for them to share that kind of information with you. Yeah. And so also too- for corporation, I, you can, you know, you can, you can meander, you can meander. Yeah. And I happen to be lucky because I was at a, pretty big bank. Yeah. I had lots of different people that I could kind of lean on. Yeah. I would tell people too, and when you think about entrepreneurship, don't always think about being the number one, you, you know, like there's, there's a guy who is at Facebook as the number six is still a billionaire, right? Like, you know, so sometimes you might not have the skill set to run the ship, but you can be a very vital part of being on that ship. You know, like you partnered up with someone and she has skill sets that you don't have and you have skill sets she doesn't have. And, you know, you know, I don't know if you're the number one or she's the number two or you're the number two and she's the number one, but like try to find ways that you can kind of be within an environment and utilize your skill set best instead of trying to always run. It's my business. Like you can own the business. You can own the business and not be the guy who's the front of it. You know, it doesn't, you don't always have to be that person. And we could do a whole podcast, Jerome, on partnerships. Yeah. It's a whole nother dynamic. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I, again, I mentioned I'm high D, I'm old as a five. <clears throat> and so that put me kind of like in charge, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm self-proclaimed in charge, Yeah. <laughs> but we're still partners, right? Yeah. And what that means is that you still need to run things by each other. Mm-hmm. You, you can't make decisions in a silo, right? And we're going to spend money. I got to say, hey, we're not going to spend this kind of money you know, um, yeah, let's discuss it Yeah, you know, kind of thing. And it's good to have that, it, you know, with anything as in the marriage, there are pluses and minuses to, to every, everything. And, and even a partnership is not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's you true might too. just be like, I'm the kind of person I don't want to run anything by you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe partnership's not for you. Yeah. Um, but to your point, to me, a partnership made sense. Yeah. Right. And so I always looked at it as I want, you know, a hundred times zero is still zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that makes so, so much sense. <laughs> you know, I want to be able to, I'd rather have, we really rather have a piece of the pie or none of yeah. the pie. Like, Got you. And so let's say someone on the audience right now, before we, you know, sign off, oh, they're looking to get into a franchise. Would there be like three things you'd say? Um, you know, you should look out for. I like that you came in with like your do's and don'ts and what you don't want. I think that's really cool. Is there things that if someone's looking at a franchise or looking into franchise, uh, being a franchisee, what would you say is for them stuff to, for them to look for? 
So you want to look for longevity. That was really important to me. My franchise award started in 1983. Okay. I got into the business in 2000. So they really had a good track record. Mm-hmm. I know there's definitely some pros to getting in the ground door, ground floor of a franchise, but that's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So you want to look at um, a history, you know, within the company so that you can feel super comfortable because franchises fail too, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and so you want to make sure they are financially sound. You know, every model is different. And, and what does that look like? You know, like I said, I did evaluate. I, I didn't do a lot of them, but as a lender, I did evaluate a couple franchises for lending money. And everyone is different. Mm-hmm. Um, how they how they compensate their franchisors, what kind of support they give their franchisors, um, you know, in, in good and bad times, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody's always rah-rah when it's good times. But yeah. what happens when it's bad times? Yeah. And, and what does that look like? And what kind of what kind of corner is that franchisor going to help you out in? Right, because it really has to be a partnership. It, it it is. It has to be a partnership. It has to be a win-win. If somebody's losing, then that's not going to work. Yeah. So that's that was that was a key thing for me when I um, got a franchise. And the last one is check out their values. You know, the one thing that I love about my franchise, uh, I love, is that they are just grounded in amazing values. Wow. And you feel it through and through. Yeah. When you talk to them on the phone, to the people that they hire, to even the messaging they give on our microsite, um, our intrasite. Yeah. Uh, you feel the values and you feel that they care. That's a big one. We're in an HR field, right? Yeah. You think that that would make sense, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I know some organizations that, I don't get, I don't get that feel, that same feeling in love. And I yeah. literally, literally feel like they're, they're like, a, when I say family, I mean that in the whole heart that they, they coined that phrase like two years ago at our leadership conference. And I thought it was so appropriate because it really does feel like family. I can pick up the phone right now and call someone in California or Texas or Connecticut or Pennsylvania, and they will take my call. A franchisee. Yeah. Or someone at the corporate level, they will take my call. Maybe they might say, I'll call you right back, but they'll call me back. Yeah. At all all levels, super successful ones down to newbie ones. Yeah. And everybody in between at the corporate level. And so, and I really feel like, you know, like when your brother or sister calls you back, that's what it feels like. It feels like, and they'll, and they'll sit there and they'll listen to you and they'll give you advice. And from a franchisee perspective, um, we're, we all kind of have the same common thread because we have yeah. the same business. And so when you talk about that crying in the shower, yeah. right? I can call them up on my way home and be like, you won't believe what happened. And they'll be like, oh, that happened yeah. to me two, two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> this and is what I did. That's, this is how I handled it. That's so great. That actually feel gr- like you could yeah. you have a you have a you have a like a peer. Yeah. Like a true peer. And like you're not true. Tr- and you're truly not in it by yourself. You're, you, right, you don't. Like we yeah. have owners' calls. Our New Jersey is 17 offices in New Jersey. We have mm-hmm. owners' calls. We get together and have go out for dinner because a lot of us are really close together. You know, yeah. New Jersey's so concentrated. We're really close together. We go out and have dinner. We 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 hang. We chat after hours, before yeah. hours. And so again, it just it's you truly need to look at your franchise. 
from both perspectives, ju not just the franchisor, but who are the existing franchisees? Because those yeah. will be the ones that you'll lean on and call and yeah. they'll understand your walk. Yeah. And then they're also very close to your market. So they understand that's yeah. great it's, advice. It's very, very different. If it's just like, if you're, if it's just you, I can't, I applaud people. You know how people applaud me for being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I applaud people who, for having an amazing idea and running with it. Cause that was yeah. just not me. I wasn't yeah. that innovative. I was like, mm -mm, I'm just going, I'm going, this, this wheel is already working. I'm just going to ride onto this wheel. <laughs> yeah. Attach, attach my wagon to this one. That's already exactly. moving. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm giving up a little bit because Again, at a franchise, a franchise system, there are still rules and regulations, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you don't follow the rules and regulations, you could be in big trouble. Yeah. Right? So I think that if you are the kind of person where you don't want, I want to be rogue, I want to run my own thing, then that's not, a franchise is not for you. Because I yeah. still have to follow rules and regulations. They audit me several times a year. Yeah. They can check into my system, which is their system, anytime yeah. they want. So it's important that you're doing things ethically, morally, right? Because they don't want to make their brand look bad either. Yeah. And so that's why they that's why they audit us so much. Yeah. Because it's important to preserve the brand. Yeah. And and if also they're attached. That doesn't like that. You want to just do your own thing and not have to worry about anybody peeking into your finances, then then you need to do your own your own thing, not a franchise. Yeah. I like to tell people I like I like the franchise model if you can find the right franchise, like you're saying, um, because it's almost like uh, entrepreneurship with training wheels. You 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 get a little bit of training wheels. You get the support. You get the legal. You get the back end. You get all these systems that are already in place. And the franchisor is always always innovating. They're, the good ones are always trying to get their system to be better and move forward and move with the times. So that helps a lot. So if there are people who are interested in that, there's a great system to it because they already did all of the questions. They already figured them all out. You just got to follow the system and then you get the freedom of entrepreneurship, but without the, right. the headache that and comes in the back. system, that exact term they use so much, like no, at Express, yeah. literally. Cause they'll say, well, what happened when you, you know, fell and you just, you, you stopped growing and then you started to grow. And they would say, I followed the system. Like this is exactly what they but say. It's, it's, the truth. it's the truth. It's the truth. And That's, so if you are a follow the system kind of person, yeah, as I am as well, yeah. a franchise works beautifully. If you are a rogue, I'm going to do my own thing, whatever I want to do. I mean, you definitely have flexibility within a franchise. Absolutely. But if you just if you just take their like their their training wheels, right? If you take their advice and you and you get their coaching, you can succeed because they have a vested interest in making sure you succeed. Nobody yeah. wants a failed franchise. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't help them sell more franchises. That's, yeah, right. Yeah, because they're attaching their wagon to you like you're attaching to them. You know, they, it's a symbiotic relationship. You bring money and they grow. You grow. It's you know everyone works together. Exactly. Yeah. So right now, you know, the job market's in flux. 18 million people or 20 something million people. I don't even know what the numbers anymore are laid off. Some are not going to go back to those jobs they're going to now. Um, you know, that kind of creates a very great space for the staffing industry and for yourself. Um, how is business doing in times like this? So right now, right now, not so good. Okay. For a couple of reasons. Well, one, a couple of my largest clients aren't busy. Some of them serve as restaurants in Manhattan. Yeah, restaurants in Manhattan aren't operating to full capacity. They don't need people. A couple of my a couple of my clients deal with the airline industry. Nobody's flying. Nobody's renting cars. Yeah, so they're not busy. So I've lost some clients that way, short term. Yeah, I understand that's not going to be forever. When the economy comes back, however, 
the express is a leading indicator or express staffing services are a leading indicator of the economy because if you're a business owner and you're starting up and now you're full throttle and mm-hmm. you're super busy, you want to call a staffing agency first because yeah. you might need 20 people to start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you you don't have the time or energy to find 20 people in 24 hours because you got a ginormous order. Yeah. So that is why I think a staffing service, we 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 fall first, but we come back first. Yeah. And we just have to be poised to come back first. And for us, that means we, we're recruiting a lot of people um, because we understand we've been, this is my third recession. Yeah. Uh, and so we have seen because of my other two experiences that when you come out of it, the ones that come out of it stronger have good people that they've recruited in their database Yeah. that they can call and say, can you go to work tomorrow? Cause that's a lot so of times you, we get, we get stuff that's like the very next day. So you're just stuffing the pipeline with great candidates yes. and then waiting stuffing for the pipeline with really fantastic candidates. We have jobs now too, though. Okay. Now our, our food companies are very busy, obviously yeah. everyone's eating. Yeah. Um, a couple of our manufacturers, cause they're in critical, they're in critical fields uh, are really busy. Uh, we, a couple of our, um, apartment buildings are busy. People still have to live. And yeah. you can think of your typical spaces where uh, a business would be super busy, even no matter what. That's why I'm teaching my son about the stock market. I said, find yeah. a company that's recession proof. Yeah. I got to find <laughs> to invest in. Like, what does that look like? So you find those sort of recession proof businesses. They're very busy now. So we're getting orders, just not to the level that we would have gotten yeah. at the same time. So I think that people still need to find work and they need, and, and aligning themselves with the staffing agency is, is in my opinion, is a, is a fantastic idea. And what have you learned about, like, what have you been doing or learned about yourself to be more resilient? You said this is like your third time, but what, is there like new things that you've been doing to stay more resilient within this time? Yes. So it's good to diversify. Okay. It's good for anything, right? Yeah. One of the things we were always good with, we were always good with our client count. We used to get all kinds of awards and then a bunch of offices in New Jersey started beating us out. And so we always had a great client base, yeah. right? Never put all your eggs in one basket because that is how, that is the surefire way to failing, you know, when you lose one or two clients. So because we have a good breadth of clients, when we started getting those calls, we don't need, we don't need, we don't need, we don't need. We still had a good breadth of clients. All yeah. of my clients are considered essential businesses right now. Gotcha. But they're just not all busy, yeah. but they're all working. Yeah. 100% of my clients are working right now. They're all at just different vari- variations of busyness. Yeah, gotcha. And so be, having a diverse and um, wide list of clients was certainly really, really useful. And then also we have different sectors, right? If I was in only distribution centers right now, I'd be in big trouble. Yeah. Because they got hurt immediately when the ports closed. Yeah. Like the ports are open again, you know, now, but the first month, there was nothing coming in from overseas, pretty much. Yeah. It was pretty quiet. So if you were in, if I was in just distribution, I would have been in big trouble. So always having a diverse type of client that yeah. you service and a diverse product lines, right? Product lines for us is we don't just place industrial people. We place administrative, we place professional. Yeah. So it's important to have all three of those sectors um, working. And then are you adding another sector of, to diversify now because of this time again? Are you adding, are you like, are you guys looking and saying, hey, maybe we could get into IT or maybe we can get into, you know, sciences or, you know, whatever. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes and yes. <laughs> yes. So I've always been really um, uh, wanting to diversify more into professional. So okay. the professional world is, is really big and broad. Yeah. Um, but I think it's always important to be to, to, to even still find a niche even within yeah. that because you can just you can't be all things to all people. And so for the accounting side um, is, is an area that I think is is it's not going away. Right. Yeah. It's just an area. So we think that the accounting finance specifically because of the New Jersey, New York market is an area that we're really trying to attach. Um, this is this is probably the worst time right now yeah. to hire for, you know, no one wants to hire someone to work from home. However, I think it's important to lay nuggets and, and, and seeds to identify those type of companies because they will be, the, you know, everyone needs someone to balance their books. Yeah. You know, that's not going away. Got you. That's, it, you're right. I mean, it's also a great time to start stuffing the pipeline because a lot of those guys are, they're working from home or they're kind of laid off and they're probably not going to go back to that same firm that they were just in, you know, so it's a great time to start looking at that and reaching out. <laughs> everyone's, like you said, everyone's home. So everyone's, everyone's ready to, home. <laughs> everyone's ready to have the conversation. They answer their phones. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's on LinkedIn. taking those Everyone's requests. on LinkedIn and they're hanging out on Facebook. Trust me. I know all the people that, I mean, I don't go on Facebook that much, but when I do, I, you see the more, multiple posts. Yeah. They're home. Yeah. <laughs> they're home. <laughs> all right. So, um, you know, if people are in the Jersey City area and they're looking for a job, where can they reach you? Um, is there any information or anything that you're doing that people can actually reach you? Yes. So we, I've been doing um, a fantastic webinar called 10 Tips to Find a Job Now mm-hmm. in a COVID-19 World. And it's a nice 30-minute webinar that I'm doing on Wednesday, May 6th at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, um, it's searchable on Eventbrite. Yeah. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to connect with people on LinkedIn, Deidre Viney. Also, our website is simply expresspros.com. My microsite off of that would be expresspros.com slash Jersey City. But if you go to expresspros.com, you'll see all of our offices if you go to New Jersey and go to Jersey City, you can get to us that way. We list all of our jobs on our website. We try to keep it up to date, but um, we work in a really fluid environment. You know, as I'm talking to you now, I could be getting job orders coming in. So we try to keep it up to date. But if you're the kind of individual that we can place, please send your resume over to us. If you're a company that's looking for talent, we can help you with that too, because yeah. we have been around for 20 years. Believe it or not, we're celebrating 20 years on September 11th, wow. 2020. <laughs> um, 20 years in business. This is a banner year for us. We're super excited, even though we um, this is a devastating time in our country and in the world, quite honestly. I think whatever, um, it's going to make us stronger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that it's important to, to really be positive. That's a biggie for me is there's nothing, I can't put my head in the sand. And if you're the kind of person that you just got laid off, this is not the time to put your head in the sand. If you're deciding that you might want to own a business, do some research. There's so much free classes out there right now for a variety of things. My, my son's a tech head. And so we're giving him tech classes to take at Harvard. Right. Like Harvard's yeah. often tech classes. I was yeah. like, oh. But like know, free so, or very, very cheap. <laughs> yes, exactly. Take yeah. advantage of them now. Uh, and if you are decide that you want to find a job, that's cool too. We can help you. Mm-hmm. If you're so, we are in Jersey City, New Jersey. 
So our because we're a franchise, we have a defined list of you know territory yeah. that we cover, and that's typically um, Newark, New Jersey, is a big hot uh, hot city for us to place people. Yeah. And then Hudson County, we pretty much have the entire Hudson County area, so that includes Jersey City, Bayonne, Hoboken, North Bergen, West New York, um, Kearney. Those are cities that we service, and if you want to work within those cities. Um, please send us your resume, go to our website, check us out. And we'd love to be able to help you because I talked about the win-win, right? So the good thing about Express is we're, I kind of of think of us like a matchmaker. Mm -hmm. So it it has to be a win-win. Yeah. We we have to win by placing you at a company and you have to win by getting a great job. Yeah. When both parties are winning, it's a great relationship. Yeah. Perfect. So I'll put all the descriptions to everything you just said, your LinkedIn, the webinar, um, your website. Um, if anywhere, anyone listening want to reach out, all the links are going to be in the description. Um, so you, you check out. Wonderful. Thank you. Jerome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being on the show today. No problem. And just like that, guys, another illustrious episode is in the can. Let me know what you guys thought of this episode. Go to Instagram.com, type in H for Hustle Podcast. Um, let me know what you think of this episode. Tell me what you liked about it, what nuggets of information you walked away with, and what from things from this podcast you're going to implement in your life. Definitely go check us out on Instagram. Also, guys, YouTube.com, H for Hustle. We have our channel up We have some original content over there. Um, I did some uh, thing called the Hustle Continues on Instagram where I speak to people who I've already interviewed before, like Monica Adams, Kelly Espino. And I'm asking them with COVID-19, how are they able to position and pivot their company and, you know, continue the hustle while all of this is going on. Um, So definitely go over there, check out those episodes. You get to see my pretty face. Um, uh, Go over there and subscribe, guys. I'm going to put all the links to everything I just said in the description um, and go check us out. That's all I got, guys. The show is over. Go find another podcast to listen to. Peace. Boom. Boom.